Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live.
And it's just an interesting scenario. You and I joked about it. Um, you know, uh, Teddy Atlas, um, nobody's going to deny his boxing acumen. You know, he's he's one of these guys, if you haven't met him in person, I had a chance to meet with him a few few times, actually, sleeping on him. And I met a few different fights there. And he's like a walking boxing encyclopedia. Yeah. Um, the guy's very knowledgeable, um, highly respected. I think Teddy Atlas is one of these guys um, that the participants in the sport, they all have, like, the utmost respect for him. Um, you see it on Friday Night Fights. The guys that fight always look for his approval. You know, he has that East Coast, you know, that New York, no-nonsense, you know, father oh, Teddy's Tough a street love. dude, man. Don't, don't get it twisted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll fight you too. Like you know, he's yeah. one of these guys that he's a no nonsense kind of guy, and Word. and I think it's a it's, it's it's a respect thing there. Uh, you know, boxing is a sport that started on the streets, and it's always kind of that hidden thing there. So it's definitely a respect thing there. But fast forward to 2015, uh, him fitting in today. You know, we live in a, a a generation now. We I always joke about this, where every you know you you, you can't really yell at people. Um, tough love just doesn't exist no more. You're a father. I'm a father, and the way our fathers talk to us, the way we talk to our children, is remotely different. Not <laughs> you <name>. know, <laughs> it's just totally different. There was no timeouts. Yeah. You know, there wasn't. A, you know, it's just a totally I'm different out. day <laughs> day and age that we live in, and. Yeah. That's 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 him. That's Teddy Atlas. He's yesteryears, and he's a, an emotional guy. Um, he wears his heart on his sleeve. And Timothy Bradley is a, is an emotional fighter. He's so it, it, I don't. I could be wrong, and I know how you feel, but I will let you tell the people. But it just to me, it just seems like a recipe for disaster. And I just can't believe Bradley will pull a plug on this particular guy. I hope just not because he just you you know he lost a fight and didn't look good in the couple fights that he's had recently. I hope that's not the reason that he let him go. But I just don't see this panning out. And I could be wrong, yeah. but just don't see it. Yeah, man, I mean, it's – um, I, I, I kind of I dug a little into the whole situation. And, and look, okay. mind you, for the most part, I think we've heard more of Joel Diaz's side than Tim Bradley's side. So, like, you know, I, as far as, like, me putting out a disclaimer. But, you know, there's an interview. I forgot, I forgot who, who put it out, but um, uh, it, it was a lengthy interview with, with, with uh, Joel Diaz. And he basically, like, kind of in a way was just insinuating that, you know, Tim Bradley's wife had a lot of influence into his decision-making, as, and as well as just the people who were in charge in his camp. And, you know, he was making mention of uh, his brother-in-law was kind of like, um, he, he said a story, something along the lines where, uh, I forgot after what fight it was, I want to say maybe um, the Diego Chavez fight. And, you know, there's kind of like a, a customary thing. The fighter comes over, starts to take the gloves off and everything. And, like, his brother-in-law or something along those lines was like leading him out of the ring or, or, or kind of like getting in the way of, you know, where you kind of shouldn't be, you know, there shouldn't be like an allotted amount, you know, people that are there taking care of the fighter. And that really pissed off uh, Joel Diaz, but it was kind so of this like, is, this is his wife's brother, just to be clear. Right? Exactly. Okay. Right. Right. So, you know, just, and, and the thing is too, is, you know, I've, 
seen things like this as far as like in real life. You know, I mean, I, I'm right. pretty sure right. a, a lot of us have friends that have like had relationships where that has happened, and you kind of like from the outside you start to see it happen. And um, you know, his side is basically insinuating that you know the the the, the wrong people are in charge of his career, and he's kind of. I guess you could say putting blame on Joel Diaz as far as him not being there for him like 100%. Because a lot of these trainers, you know, a lot of fans may not realize this. When you talk about the Freddie Roaches of the world and Joel Diaz of the world, um, just trainers in general, man, they don't just work with one fighter. You know, they come No, they're, no, they're no, no, yeah. Right. They're constantly working with a lot of guys, and some of these guys have multiple stars. So, um, Joel Diaz is, I guess, you know, he kind of ended it with, you know, um, he he made some dis- decisions and said some things that, in a, like there was an article that even came out today that he basically put it out there that he is never going to uh, work with Tim Bradley again and he'll never train him again. And, and it's kind of crazy to say that because, I mean, this is a guy that he worked with, took him to world titles, and... You know, in cases where a trainer, um, it, 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 you know, there's a split, you know, sometimes it has to do with, you know, a fighter lost or you, you going on a streak. But, like, when you look at it, I mean, Tim Bradley hasn't had a lot of losses. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think he's gotten hurt in fights, but you start to think, like, is that because of Joel Diaz's instruction or is Tim Bradley just that, that type of fighter? So, um, it's just... It's, it's, Boxing is is a weird it's a weird it's a weird dynamic when it comes to fighter and trainer. It almost reminds me of the hip hop industry when you have an artist, an aging artist, and he makes starts to make whack albums and he wants mm-hmm. to blame it on production, you know. But sometimes you have to look in the mirror and you just just don't have it anymore and it has nothing to do with the beats or the tracks, it's just you. You know, you maybe hit your ceiling, hit your wall, and you see this all the time with fighters. You know, I remember De La Hoya towards the tail end of his career, had a trainer like every week. Um, The list goes on. I mean, I can go through a whole slew of fighters that constantly just change trainers like shoes for no reason, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just just one of those weird things that just kind of take place in the sport. But um, I was shocked at this one because I thought that, you know, they had a close bond, and I mean, he, they, you know, they basically grew up together in the sport, you know, and for them to part ways, it seems like a lot of people isn't. I mean, I don't know the whole, you know, like you said, right. the two sides of every story. But of the story. Right. right. If I if I had to go on a limb, it sounds like Timothy Bradley got a lot of people involved in his affairs. Affairs, right? That probably shouldn't be. And it's from one side, you know, when you say, when you start talking about brother-in-law, so this all circles back to his wife, who is is his manager. So I just hope that, uh, you know, it doesn't come back to haunt him. So. Right. That all right or die? Nah, that's sweet, man. Oh, sweet. I saw a jersey. What up? That's a double EP. Yeah, what's going on, guys? Uh, You missed the intro. Ain't Ooh, nothing. The, 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 theme, <laughs> the theme of tonight's show is ain't nothing but a G thing. Oh, <laughs> open with it. <laughs> so it's nothing but a G. Hey, triple G. It's nothing but a G thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, we had we had, we had to take it back to the crown, and we we gonna get into the triple G fight in a second. But I don't know if you heard us. We was talking about Bradley, you know, right. taking on uh, you know, the tough love father figure, Mister uh, Teddy Atlas. Yeah, I mean, um, well, Uncle Uncle Teddy Atlas, I should call him. <laughs> Uncle Teddy. Right, that's gonna, Uncle Teddy. That's gonna that's gonna be an interesting dynamic because they both have fiery personalities, even though, I mean, maybe he reminds him of his dad, but, um, I mean, the only, only positive, like you hear, you hear some football coaches or something, they, they, sometimes people want to hear a new voice, you know what I'm saying, it's time for a new voice, but I think you guys hit everything, you know, a nail on the head, it is, you know, these guys get up in age, and they probably, maybe they're just looking for something different to motivate them, and their circles become bigger. And, you know, the influence creeps in. I don't know how this experiment's going to work out. You know, I mean, it's, it should be pretty exciting because Teddy, he's at that age. Well, he never he never really bit his tongue, but he's getting at that age where he's not going to be able to bite his tongue, and it's going to be hilarious. So we might, we might And we talk about busy schedules. Around. I mean, Alice is Alice is a TV superstar on, right. on well, his premier boxing uh, now, but he's the lead anchorman. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how much preparation goes into it, but it's a lot of traveling with that. I mean, yeah, they do have preparation for those shows. So we talked right. about these trainers being busy with other fighters. Telly Ellis, he's, a, he's like a celebrity. He's not your, your typical trainer. You know, he's when, right. when, when you need a uh, boxing opinion on first take or these other shows, Teddy's the first guy that they call. He's like a celebrity. He's well, like a boxing celebrity. I mean, here's another thing, too, though. Like, uh, he wasn't the first choice. That's the thing. I mean, I think they approached Ronnie Shields. They definitely approached um, Buddy McGirt. And Buddy McGirt even said, like, he turned it down. Because he kind of said something. He's like, you know, I guess kind of in a way they not trying to get involved in that situation. And he even told him, he's like, yo, like, what you want, I can't offer you. You know, he told him flat out. And maybe it's maybe something he saw. He really would. It's kind of vague about it, but. A lot of times when you see something and it's like, you know, that third that third eye kind of like, you know, creeps in. He's like, maybe this isn't the right situation. But, you know, like you said, like for Teddy Atlas, I mean, wasn't he training Povetkin at, at some point? That's, I, I, was, I, was go- I was going to bring that up. And that never really took off. And that was right. the reason, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. this isn't the first time Teddy's phone rung in, in, in modern day history. But then once people... Right. You know, once they actually probably sit, well, I'm sure there's a plan that goes like, what's your plan? And this is our plan. And like you said, I don't know if you were asleep, Teddy's not for one biting his tongue. And I could just see that initial meeting going down and Teddy just like <laughs> <laughs> talking about what he doesn't tolerate. I don't I don't want no posses. I don't want this coming up or that. Man, my Teddy, way or the highway. I could see Teddy in the middle of a round saying, you're shot. You have nothing. <laughs> <left>. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like a Mario Stewart did with Jermaine Teller? <laughs> I knew Yo, we should have called Kelly Bradley. Yo, that was the greatest. <laughs> I mean, what did he say? Who did they should have fought? No, he said he said because when he fought Corey Smith, he's like, "I told you, you should have fought Edison Miranda." That's what, uh, yeah, uh, Miranda. That was, yeah. No, 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 that wasn't Teddy. That was uh, that was Mario Stewart. 
That was Emmanuel Stewart. I mean, that's what I meant to say. Emmanuel, I meant to say Emmanuel Stewart. I meant to say like Emmanuel yeah, did. Yeah, but yeah, he told you, he goes, that's why we should have fought Edison, Edison Moran in the first place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moran, yeah, got, got yeah, man, here. rest in peace, man. <laughs> yeah, but these older, these, before you came on sleep, I said we live in a, we live in a new generation. Those kind of guys don't exist in our society no more. We live in a timeout society now. We put kids in timeout. Right. Tough love doesn't exist anymore. Right. Nobody, nobody can deal with tough love no more. Every, everybody has a video camera on their phone. That's why <laughs> it's a different time. Yo, I'm real nervous dealing with children now. Me too. With my own you know? children, I'm, I'm sure hey. they're like yell at my son in in public. Rod, I know, I know you want to jump in on this, man. No, I was just saying. I was just wanted to jump in on your on your little uh, Teddy on your little Teddy comment real fast. That's all. Okay, oh, I, just, go, go I just, yeah, I just, you know, I just, my, my whole thing with that Teddy thing is that, you know, it, you know, it's becoming musical chairs with a lot of these trainers now. I think, you know, we've seen it in the past, but, um, you know, who, you know, who was the first to do it a little bit. Ray Leonard was the first to do it a little bit, but, you know, and then Oscar De La Hoya, he started changing a lot of trainers. Yeah, yeah, he did. And and Kodo's notorious. Like, Kodo changes trainers, man. Like, (laughs) you went to short trainers, man. Yeah, like, you know what? If you, you know what? It's sort of like, you know, socks, man. Like, you know what? Ah, this don't fit. Ah, this don't look good. Ah, And it's never his fault. And now, you know, we've gotten to a situation, man, where back in the day we we had rap groups. Nobody really broke up. And when people broke up in rap groups, it was like a big deal. You know, now it's sort of like, you know, these guys are you know, never retired together. You know, like, you you would think that Julio Diaz would be synonymous with Tim Bradley. And that's right, not even the right, case anymore, right. man. It's a shame, man, yeah. because, you know, we, we were shocked when Kevin Rooney and Mike Tyson broke up. We were like, wow, how is this going to work out? You know, who's this guy? And, that, and, and right? it's funny you mentioned that because you look at this situation now, and it's like, why did that happen? Right, it, right. You look at Mike's circle; it changed, and, and the people around yeah. him. You know, that's what I think is notorious for all these situations. The circles changes around these people, like the whole brother-in-law walking them into the ring, and yep. she yeah. shouldn't have been there. Yep. Yeah, that's a bad sign, yep. right there. And, and then you know what else is funny? Um, Julio Diaz, you know, you know, to his defense, see, this is the problem I have. You know, and and if there's any ladies listen to his show or any guy, you know us guys on the verge of breaking up with somebody, I don't believe in doing things through voicemail or text message. Like, I believe in getting someone live over the phone and, and manning up. The way that I hear, allegedly, that, that Tim Bradley did was through a voicemail. Like, yo, this joint ain't going to work no more. Like, this joint ain't going to work. Not. Now, you would think that, you know, all them years they had with Julio Diaz, they have a conversation break big. Julio Diaz said, nah, man, he, he said, my door is locked. As a matter of fact, not only is the door shut, I added five more locks to it. He can't come back to me no more, <laughs> ever in life. That's exactly yeah, his words. He didn't go into wow. detail as far as exactly what he said and, like, what initially went down. I mean, it's all hearsay, but it's, like, on the surface, it looks like there's obvious, like, a rift between his wife and Joel and the people involved. But it's, like, for some, for him to say that, man, and, and how long of a relationship they've had, man, I mean – it had to be something like really crazy, so, man. That to work. So he, like, <laughs> he pulled the yeah. Drake. Uh, he pulled the Drake Marvin's room on him, basically ah! talking to the voicemail. <laughs> 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 
Cubs are the EXO. But I'm saying, there's, yeah. no, there's no loyalty nowadays, and everything yeah. is a trainer's fault, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, even, but, even but, with Paragnacov, like, 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 remember Paragnacov? Paragnacov said the other day, he has Julio Diaz now. Again, I told you, this is soap opera. He has Julio Diaz. Oh, man. And he said, See, this is the wrestling he, part of boxing. Yeah, then he, and, then, uh, he said, then he said, this is what he said. Check this out. He said, with Freddie Roach, I was getting hit too much. Well, you want to get hit a lot with him, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's just a style. I mean, I think with him, though, I mean, the, Mar- the dude, I forgot his last name, Marvin, the, the, his, his basically, you know, his, his main assistant. Like, he was the one training for Vatnikov more, more than uh, than Roach was. And it's funny enough, he, uh, uh, Victor Pascal said the same exact thing. Or he had told, like, Freddie Roach had mentioned, that they're like, yeah, like, he works, he likes working with Marvin more than with, with me for some reason. He goes, I don't know why, but that's just, <laughs> so it, it's kind of funny that, like, you know, that it, it kind of happens that way sometimes, but. Um, so it just comes. No, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was saying go ahead, Roberto. No, I mean, I, I think, I think for the most part, man. I mean, like we we were saying, like in the beginning of the show, man. I mean, these trainers, um, they they have other fighters, you know, and and I don't think it's a situation where you know, because Bradley's whole thing is he said that, um, at least what he told the public or what's being told is that Joel Diaz wasn't there for him 100, percent but it's. I mean, you could say that for a lot of trainers, man. I mean, that's just the nature of the business. You have to yeah. coordinate situations. It's, it's like that. It's like that at every level of sports, though. That's why they have assistants, and you know, yeah, the head man. coach is. It's like in music. I hate to keep going back to hip hop, but it's just like when an executive producer. You know, you got other producers. You know, Roberto, you sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, if you a big producer and you're doing thirty albums, you or thirty singles or what have you. You got people helping. You may oversee it, like, hey, we're going to add a drum here or add a piano no, there. No, Kanye has, what, like there. six, seven producers <laughs> that he has under his table, man. Like, that's just what it is. You know, but, uh, you know, all right, man. So we're we going to move on from that. Um, it's just, like, it's so much going on. Um, some other news out there was, um, and Roberto uh, actually brought this up earlier, was that Khan actually is going to step away from the Pacquiao negotiations, which I actually think is a good thing. Uh, and he's pursuing a rematch with Danny Garcia. Yeah, so, I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know where we're at with it, but that, that's a good start, though, right? You know, um, these guys got to fight each other. You know, they got to make their own legend, and that's the only way things going to get popping if everybody fights one another and just let Pacquiao ride off into the sunset. And let's hit the yeah. reset button. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, from what I read, they were saying he kind of he kind of hinted that Manny was just, like, holding it up and Khan wanted to decide who he wants to fight. But, the, you know, the whole thing of that, too, is, is that the reality of Manny fighting isn't going to happen until, like, March. Yeah, so exactly. I'm like, that's why I never understood kinda, that anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of thinking like, all right, well, look, if you can't fight Floyd, Pacquiao's your yeah. next biggest fight, man. So like, I'm wondering what really what the real motive is, and and Aaron was talking initially that they were talking to Khan's camp and that Al Heyman wasn't really a, a, an issue, and then and then I'm like, all right, cool. And I'm looking at the time frame. You know, we're in October. You got November, December, January, February, March. April, like I'm figuring that time frame, and I'm th- I'm thinking like, why is he walking away now? Is unless he has some other type of guarantee with some you know somebody else, right? Because you um, never hear him just throw up a white flag like that. 
So yeah, that's why I, mean, I was that thinking quick. something must be etched in stone because for him to just say I'm walking away because he never said that with the Floyd situation. It's like that's let me just see what happens. The very last minute, right? <laughs> what are you saying, sleep? That's not a good fight for Khan. Well, I mean, maybe I mean, it's. it's, it's that, that, I mean, that's it. But I um, I would pick Pacquiao on this fight. I mean, that could be part of motivation. That's a dangerous fight for him. I've always been, like, at least now I'm, like, I, it's it's like with Pacquiao, I don't know, I don't know what kind of Pacquiao we're going to see, you know. So it's like with Khan, it's, he's always, like, he. it's weird, man. Like, he's fun to watch because, like, you just never know, man. Like, for somebody that, like, Algeri, now I give John David Jackson full like credit for like kind of adding some stuff to Algeria to at least make him look better than I at least I thought he was gonna look. But for him to get like rocked by somebody like Algeria who doesn't knock people out, I mean yeah, I always leave it open for Pacquiao to land. But it's just from from the Marquez fight, man. I, it took me a little while, I guess, for me to really see the kind of fighter Pacquiao became, man, like, that knockout affected him, man. It, it really it changed everything, just his approach. So now, it's, it's, like funny, a, it's, it's, it's funny you say that, Roberto, because I told you that a while ago. Yeah, like, yeah. Before the yeah. point, I said he's not, yep. the same, he's not the same person. But right. go ahead, I'm sorry. No, you're right. I mean, I, I, it, it's... I mean, it, there was it was the Floyd fight, and then you look at the Algeri fight, and then you who he fought like Brandon Rios, right? There was, like, a common trend in each one of those fights, man. And, and, you know, the thing about Pacquiao that made him dangerous was, like, he was spontaneous and, like, he just attacked, man. And he did it in that Marquez fight. But from that point on, it, it just wasn't there anymore, man. And you think about Khan, right? And Khan, he's always susceptible to getting hurt. But kind of like what Malinaji said for you, like, he's a pain in the ass to fight. Where, where it's like you can hurt him here and there, but it, it's tough to dominate him. You know, like there hasn't been anybody to really dominate Amir Khan as far as like if you're trying to box him. So it, it really depends like what Pacquiao would want to do for his last fight because apparently this, he's saying this is it. And it, it kind of, I, I kind of would believe him because he's got like pretty much a foot and a half into politics. And I think once that happens, it's like, he, he, you know, he's not going to be able to fight again. The reason why I've always well, the reason why I think that's a bad fight for Khan, and I'm as much as people think Danny's done, I still think Danny's a bad fight for Khan because when you punch with him, you have a chance to knock him out. And it's right. I've always said that three punch combination. I don't like the way he he closes too much distance on it all the time. Like it's, like the way his rhythm, the way he operates, he goes pop pop pop, and he like really steps deep into you. And he's in range quite often. Like, he, he gives his reach up on that second and third punch. And um, I just think he's there for that. You know, when you chase, like, you look at, you think about, when, um, you know, of course, Floyd is not going not gonna to really chase Manny. But, you know, Manny looks the best when you chase him. When you chase him, you're very aggressive to him. And I, I just think that would be the return of the overhand right. I mean, y'all made some great points. I think he would. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't even want to go back to you know him being at the bar and things like that. I think it'd be it'd be full throttle. All you can drink for whatever he decides to do. But um, 
Yeah, I just think, um, you know, that's a that's just a dangerous fight for Khan. Like for him to, to, to not want to get that rich off of one fight, you know what I'm saying? There's no other options now that Floyd is going. You know, that's kind of perplexing, even though the timing's off. Well, one, th- one of the things we forgot, too, is that, <clears throat> and Coltrane and I talk about this, is that before he got hit in the neck with the vampire punch, Amir Khan was actually dogging Danny Garcia. Yeah. And, and you know, That's I, I, mean, I, I always I, say, yeah. and then I don't, I don't want to go into that. You know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. But when I start looking at people that give Danny angles, he don't look too good. I'm talking about Herrera. I'm talking about a lot of people. Man, even Eric Morales. Lamont Peterson. Lamont Peterson. Yeah, yeah. I remember Eric. I remember Eric Morales at one point in time, one of those fights, he was even moving a little bit. You know, it's just weird, man. He looks like a pedestrian at times, man. So well, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying about those that exchange because uh, Amir Khan, Amir Khan does get caught in a lot of, you know, a lot of return fire like that. But when he's on his game and he's boxing, I'm telling you, man, like he that type of angle and movement would give Danny problems. Well, here's another thing, too, we got to remember, man. Like, I mean, Con, they're, they're both welterweights now. And to me, Danny doesn't look like a, a big welterweight in relation to, like, at least in my opinion, what Con looks like. He, Con doesn't look like a big welterweight either, but I, I think you can look at him and he's like, all right, he's a guy that I, I think in relation to Danny, I mean, he looks like a full-fledged welterweight to me. But that can make the difference in the fight, man, as far as um, – how strong Khan comes in. I mean, he's not necessarily the strongest guy in the division, but I mean, as far as just durability wise, um, I mean, we'll, that could make the difference, man. But uh, again, man, <laughs> Khan is again, like, like I said before, man, I mean, he, you just never know with him, man. It, it's the thing with Danny though, man, it's just Danny to me just hasn't looked really spectacular or really great at all since the Matisse fight, man. And we're only talk, like talking two years. So, it's an interesting rematch, man. Well, I mean, well, here's, well, here, well, here's the thing we do know. We do know this. There's no more vacations for Danny Garcia or Amir Khan, for that matter. They both have to start, you know, literally swimming with the sharks now. Everything is kind of out the bag now, and this is a perfect segue to our, the next uh, news and updates that was put out there of Keith Thurman and Sean Porter. But – I'm gonna just say this real quick. Those two guys, Khan and Garcia, is the it's the show me year for them. Um, yep. 2016 is put up or shut up. No more Paulie Malinagis, no more Chris Algieri's. You know, um, it's Kel Brock, it's Thurman, it's Porter. I even take a, a a Broner fight. You know, if 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 Danny would fight Broner, I would take that type of fight versus these other kind of guys. So I hope that, you know, this year is the year they, you know, that they take the training wheels off because, you know, Danny hasn't had a big fight since the Matisse fight, you know, and, you know, um, uh, Tom was tr- was chasing after Floyd, so that kind of put his, his, his stint on hold. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in 2016. So now moving on to 2000, you know I mean, to December 13th, uh, speaking of the welterweight division, speaking of some of the sharks down there, Keith Thurman and Sean Porter was announced, which is the first big com fight under the Heyman umbrella where two two 
fighters in their proms with no catch weights, you know, no stipulations, you know, nobody's coming off a loss. Both guys are in their respective proms, and they're fighting each they're fighting each other. And I think that's important, you know, because it was looking a little bleak. And I've never been a Heyman basher, you know. Um, you know, I support his efforts and what he's doing, keeping the sport relevant. But you know, um, it was time to see some, you know, some um, competitive matches, and we're getting one on December thirteenth because I think this one is going to be uh, guns blazing. But I let y'all, you know, chop it up on this particular fight and what y'all opinion is. I mean, I, I, I mean, I like, I like the fight, man. Uh, it's. It, it, I mean, for Thurman, you know, like we've talked about in this show and really just a lot of people, it's, you know, we he, he's really, I don't want to say so much like Danny and um, and Khan because they've already kind of fought guys in a sense, but um, with Thurman, he, he's kind of at that point now where we're waiting to see like, okay, well, what can you do at this level? And some would argue with Sean Porter as far as being on that level, but I think me and Ryder Dye talked about this last week, or, or at least when, yeah, it was last week when we talked about, you know, when they announced the fight. Uh, we forget, man, that Sean Porter has fought some top guys. You know, I, he yeah. kind of gets yeah. he kind of gets lost in, in the shuffle when you talk about, or, or at least I should say, like, when you talk about uh, the guys who you think will be at, like, a certain level, like, in the years to come, we forget Porter's already fought, like, the Alexanders and the Malinagis and, and, and he's, you know, he's beating them, but with, with Thurman, and I think, uh, yeah, ride or die was mentioning this, the, the, the old Virgil Hunter talk, as far as how durable Keith Thurman is, <laughs> um, as far as his punch resistance is concerned, and is a guy like Sean Porter, to a guy to really expose that further, we see little hints of it, but is Sean Porter that guy, you know, um, it's an interesting fight, man. It, it really is. I mean, it's going to be on Showtime as well. Uh, I, I was thinking they were going to do it on NBC, but I guess Showtime's kind of the avenue they're going to use for the big fights because, like, out of all that, all those people, I don't see anybody that they're going to put on pay-per-view yet. But, um, you know, that, that's a big Showtime fight, man. But uh, it, it's a proving grounds for, um, for Thurman because, I mean, I think it's going to be a rugged fight, man. And... It's gonna it's gonna tell a lot. I mean, we've we've seen we've seen uh, you know Porter uh, in tough fights, but you know for, for Thurman, he's a guy. You know, obviously, you know we're all looking at you know as far as you know him in the future. So if, I mean, if he can get past Sean Porter, I think at that point, man, you know we're we gotta really start to put him, you know, in discussion of number one or number two as far as welterweights are concerned. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, I'm 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 excited for it. So you ride a die? Did you have an opinion on the on the uh, Thurman? No, I mean you know it's the same. It's the same old stuff. You know we yeah. talked about it before. There's nothing. There's nothing really to discuss other than the fact that we know that um, it's a it's a great fight. I, I don't want to break in the strategy, you know, right, about right, it. Right. But it's just it's just a great fight. A great opportunity for both a great opportunity for fans. And, um, you know, I echo what, um, what Roberto said, you know, we, we had broken up last week and it was just, you know, we looked, when we look at it, man, it, you know, surface looking, 
they both have their holes. You know, uh, Porter being clipped in that 12th round uh, by Broner after, you know, convincingly winning a fight, but, you know, some say he was weight drain. And then Keith Thurman really never, you know, his resume really never fighting anybody. I know, like, Big Mike throws this stuff in here, how he fought, like, you know, Leonard Bundu, you know, and I'm just like, who's that? You know, like, Guerrero. Like, Guerrero. 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 Yeah, he, yeah. Oh, he dug he Guerrero. And I'm like, Guerrero almost came back the last. He almost, he was looking bad the last. He was running from Guerrero the last nine, ninth, tenth, and eleventh, and twelfth round. And then Luis Colazzo, he got hit with a body shot. Like, he was on fire. So, I just, I just know that, you know, Porter better not get clipped with any left hooks. And, um, you know, our buddy Keith Thurman better not, better better keep on the outside because Porter will dog him in the inside. That's it. Yeah, I mean. Hey, go I, ahead, can, uh, I, can I say my opinion? Go ahead, sweet. Go ahead, yeah, I, um, you know, initially when it was announced, it, it's kind of tough to call because, like, they both have the question marks. But um, I'm, le- I'm leaning towards Keith Thurman. And, and it, it's mainly because Porter's not what I thought he was going to be. You know, when he, you know, when he demolished Paulie, and then, you know, I was having questions about Premier, you know, welterweight, so I thought he could probably walk through. And um, just the, it's the styles of the fight, man. It's just a, I understand that, you know, Thurman can get hurt to the body, but his length and athleticism, I just think he's going to give Porter a lot of problems. Like, I think he's going to give him a lot of problems with his length and athleticism. And, um, you know, I'm leaning towards Thurman. I think it's going to be a good fight because I think Porter's going to be getting hit with some plus shots. Um, I just think Porter's reach and his, you know, his style of fighting, he's going to get caught with a lot of stuff coming in due to Thurman's athleticism. So um, it's going to be an exciting fight, but I'm I'm leaning for Thurman. And uh, he possibly can hurt this guy, you know. So that's where I'm at with it. You know what? I want to clarify something. You know, it's funny. When we talk about Keith Thurman, how tall do y'all think he is? I was going to say that. He's not as actually as tall as he's, people think. He's, he's only 5'7". Yeah. He's yeah. only 5'7". He's 5'7", right? Porter, yeah. yeah, how tall do you think Short Porter is? He, I think he's like, what, 5'6"? He's like 5'7". Oh, he, okay. Yeah, oh. I don't think he is. He, I don't think he, he looks has, stockier than... He, what it yeah. is, because I noticed that, too, when he fought Colazzo, he was little. He was smaller than him, height-wise. Right. When he fought Colazzo, he's actually he's not is he's like stout. He's kind of like he looks mm-hmm. stronger and bigger than these guys, but he's actually not that big. But um, I just you know Keith Thurman. I'm gonna just flat out and say this because I don't like hide behind curtains. David Hay was a guy I never cared for. I didn't like. I just didn't like his fight game. Nothing personal. I just didn't like the way he fight. I thought he was sloppy, wild, and reckless. And I kind of feel that way about Keith Thurman. I don't see anything special about this guy. Like, I don't see next-level carrying a banter type of fighter from this guy. I just think he's think he, he, he he's decent. He He's somewhat sound, but he makes a lot of mistakes. And if you are soft in the body, that is a bad, bad omen as a prize fighter. And if you, you, you probably won't get far. In this sport, if you got a soft, soft uh, midsection, guys that can't take body shots, they get knocked down a lot. And for him to get get hurt the way he, I mean, he was almost out on his feet against Colazzo. Had Colazzo pressed on the gas pedal, he probably could have got a knockout. 
Um, I don't know where I'm at with this fight. I just know Sean Sean Porter is uh, a wrecking ball, and um, I will stand by my beliefs that he only got knocked down in that fight because he was weight drained, and it's you know started to take his effect later in that fight. And I just don't see it happen when he fights Thurman. But you know, I could see a scenario where Thurman beat him too. You know, because Porter's reckless and he's wild. But I don't want people to mistake. Yeah, but one thing you got to remember, Sleep, that Kel Brock is a boxer. Q Thurman doesn't have the tools or the 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 intellect to fight the way Kel. I mean, he fought a masterpiece. He, I don't, I don't know if Q Thurman can do that. I think this is like a fire fire type of fight. Like what you're describing, I don't see him fighting that way. Like he fought bums like that, like those guys that was flat footed and just like kind of follow him around. But he didn't fight anybody with the athleticism and the rage that a Sean Porter has. Like, I still think he's lost. Like, I don't think he's, like, just this one-trick pony and we forgot, a, you know, and there's that. But I guess we gotta, we'll got to wait until December 13th. We got plenty of time to break that down. All right, so we got some fights tomorrow night. Um, Devin Alexander, yep, he's still around. Um, Amir Mansoor. Who else is on that card tomorrow, Roberto? On the premiere box. Alex, who's uh, Alexander fighting? Um, Asan. Uh, uh, let me see real quick. I know uh, Mattel is fighting on there too. It's a it's like three fights. Oh, by the way, he's fighting Aaron Martinez. Right, right, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, yeah. It's, it's said, crazy, said, man. Like, you said, by the way, go ahead. What are you going to say, by the way? No, that, that fight's tomorrow, right? Yeah, it's tomorrow night. Yep. Uh, I mean, I, I, I would assume Devin Alexander would win this fight, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, I mean, I just don't know where he goes from here, man. He's lost. I mean, again, look, this is, this is me debating whether or not Sean Porter is at a certain level um in the you know in the welterweight division to say like all right well wow you know him beating Alexander was a a top level win but you know you just look at the the fights he he lost to I mean he beat Madonna lost to Sean Porter and I just don't know where he goes from here you know I I, I mean there's a thing about it too is I mean look he he's not the most exciting guy to watch I mean me personally I've never been a big Devin Alexander fan um. I, I guess this is, you know, just him staying busy. Uh, I, I just don't know if he's going to get, like, those big fights or even if he's going to be that successful in them if he's given the opportunity. I mean, I would assume he'd win this fight. Oh, uh, do you got a opinion on anything to add on Yeah, that? you know what, man? We have, we have so much promise for, uh, for Devin Alexander. To me, you know, similar fight style, I believe, to just like gritty kind of, you know, get people out of there. I remember when he beat Junior Witter, you know, he killed Juan Urango on ESPN and Katolnik, and, you know, then it was the Tim Bradley. Well, Katolnik, man, remember me and you watched that together, Rada Die. He actually well, kind of beat that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, remember that yeah, fight? Yeah. You, you remember yeah, yeah. we watched that together. <laughs> yeah, the, the other thing, the other thing was we gave him respect because, again, here was a situation where he was one of the guys that fought 
Matisse and Madonna fought him back. No, he fought everybody. Game. He's another. Like, yeah. I don't know yeah. if it was you or Roberto that said it. His resume is off the charts. He fought everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But then when you, but then when you go like, like we talk about Roberto's talking that Sean Porter fight, I was just looking at it like, what is this? You know, and mm-hmm. then. You know, just like his activity was down. Then when American, it just was American. I picked Alexander to yeah. beat him. I picked him to beat him, to beat Sean Porter. Yeah, I mean, I think we all did. So, I mean, and Con, you know a lot of people picked him to beat Con too. Yeah, you know, it all depends on. You know, we when we look at um, Aaron, Aaron Martinez, I think a lot of people go crazy because they remember um, Guerrero's fight he had uh, over the summer after the Thurman fight, I believe. Remember, he got knocked down really bad against um, Aaron Boy, Martinez. Oh, I mean, Aaron Martinez. Yeah, 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 yeah. Aaron Martinez. And he got knocked down by him. And I think this is what's really making that fight intriguing. Maybe they're thinking that, you know, there'll be some fireworks in that fight. With that being said, um, I mean, I'm picking Devin Alexander just based off of the, uh, you know, as we call in, um, you know, college football, the strength of schedule, you know, the resume they have. But, you know, it all depends on what Devin Alexander shows up. You know, is this the motivated Devin Alexander? Is this the Devin Alexander that, like, has been disappearing as a league? You know, so it all depends, you know. And um, it, like you said, uh, Coltrane, where does, you know, his motivation, where does he go from here? Like, what does this lead to? You know, so I'm picking him. He's a safe pick. Uh, but I know that there's some, there's some uh, drama here because of what, uh, our buddy Aaron Martinez did to Guerrero. He dropped him in that fourth round and looked like, you know, he had him down for good. So, you know, maybe there's some drama, but I, I believe that Devin Alexander will prevail. Hello? Hello? Hey, I'm still here. Everybody? Everybody still here? Yeah, yep. still here. I don't know what happened to Cole. All right, well, go ahead, Sweet. You got anything to say? Uh, I mean, y'all touched all the points with that particular fight. I think um, Devin's time has passed. I mean, even like I, even if he gets past this fight, he's just in the shark-infested waters, man. And um, I think his time has passed. I don't think he's going to do – I mean, once he starts crossing paths, you know, with bigger and stronger guys, I just don't think he's going to be around too much. He's going to start being a gatekeeper. I mean, he still has his, you know, his fan base that he can pull so he can always put on a legitimate card. But, um, you know, his his resume is great. It's just the fact that I think his, his time, you know, these guys are starting to turn the corners. You know what I mean? Like when we talked about earlier with Timothy Bradley, things like that, they're starting to turn that corner. And they're turning the corner at a very – difficult time, you know what I mean, where there's a lot of heat out here. So, you know, you know, we may get the old Devin for this particular fight, but I don't think that's going to get us, get anybody excited about him fighting, you know, like a big-name guy. You know what I look at Devin as? You know one of my favorite rides in Disney World is? The Pirates of the Caribbean. And you know that part of the ride, Sleek? I know you was just there. I'm going somewhere with this. Ride or die, you ever get on that ride? Roberto? Everybody got on the Pirates of the yeah, Caribbean, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So you know the you know that one part of the ride when the dudes are like in jail and the dog got like the keys outside of the jail cell and yeah. they're all reaching trying to get the keys. The, boat? <laughs> the, boat, the boat, the one you know, it's real dark. They actually redid it. So it's really, really a really good job with it. 
But, you know, hi-ho, hi-ho, you know, that whole. So, yeah. so you, you, get, you get on the boat ride. So the dog is, like, holding the keys, and they're all reaching to get the keys from the dog. Well, I don't mean to call Devin Alexander a dog, but he's a gatekeeper now. I mean, that's what he is. <laughs> he's the gatekeeper. Everybody that has an up-and-coming fighter or stay-busy type of fight like he's getting tomorrow night, but he's the guy that you're going to see maybe an Earl Spence fight. Remember I said that. That might be a guy they put Spence in yep. with because they did it with everybody so far. You know, uh, who else is up and coming in Walter Wade? Um, what's, what's, maybe Terrence Carter, move up. Porter. Well, those guys are kind of already. I thought you said who was up and coming at Fordham. I'm sorry. Good no, 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 no. I mean, you know what I mean, right? I died. Like the Terrence Crawford. Crawfords, the imam, uh, imams, uh, you know, those guys, the next crop of guys that's down at 140 that may move up. Hey, hey, Broner may even fight him one day. People that move up to 47 and, you know, trying to make a name for themselves. I just think he's just a mid-level guy, and he's a gatekeeper. Maybe he gets another title shot, you know, because that's not hard to do these days. Broner just fought for a title yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah, so, I mean, no disrespect to Devin. We respect his craft, we respect his hustle, the guy for it. I was just thinking about some other names we didn't mention that he fought. Like, he's just for everybody. You just forgot about it. So, I mean, he fought Bradley. For that. <laughs> yeah, that's what, I, that's what I thought about. Timothy Bradley. Like, Black, he fought Bradley. Off. Yeah. So, I mean, the guy for uh, – he fought a lot so, of – Peterson? Yeah, he fought a lot of top-tier guys. It just – he he is who he is. So, you know, uh, we're rooting for him, though, you know. And um, what I was going to just say about the, Mar- uh, the Martinez guy is that everything is circumstantial in boxing, and people get all crazy when somebody beat up a guy or knock a guy down. But we forget that Guerrero was coming off a brutal fight with Keith Thurman because that fight was, like, right after that, right? It wasn't that long after because I remember Corey texting me, like, so much, Damn, it was a I month after, less than, like, yeah, less than three weeks. Corey, I remember Corey, uh, shout out to Corey, guard your girl's own. He texted me and was like, I can't believe that they would put him in a ring with with somebody this quick that has this type of punching ability. You know, so definitely got to factor that in as well. You know, every circumstances always play a part in sports. But um, we're going to move on to the meat and potatoes. Um, Madison Avenue, everybody's chiming in on this guy. You know, I opened the show up with ain't nothing but a G thing. You know, um, whatever your opinion is of this guy, and this guy is Janady Kovalkin, Triple G, he's my CTV. You know, he, he's a train wreck. He's a wrecking ball. You know, everybody stop and look to watch this guy. Um, he's charismatic. He's actually kind of funny. He's called, he referred to himself as the good boy, is what he called himself, Roberto. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he, the the whole kind of term is, you know, I think it came from, like, it started with one interview where... It, one interview, right. <laughs> yeah, where he kind of just, you know, he doesn't understand the, right, the, the English, English kind of right. lingo and everything. And, and he kind of was just calling them, like, good boys. Good boys. Bonus, like, good boys. Like, oh, you know, they're nice guys. But, you know, and then now, and then they kind of nicknamed the term good boy. Good boy. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, it's funny so now, because... So now he, yeah. Me and Sleep always laugh about you know, Triple G reminds me, I don't know if you guys ever played basketball with a guy from another country, and he's like high-fiving. He's high-fiving you every minute, and nothing even happened. And that's kind of the personality that Triple G has. But, you know, the guy has dynamites in his mitts. Um, 
unfortunately, 160 is a ghost town. There's not a lot of competition there. Um, that's not his fault. You only can fight who you fight, just like the Eagles beat up on the one and four Saints. But you play who's on the schedule, right, Ride or Die? You only can play who's on the schedule. And um, David Lemieux, who's been making his own headlines, knocking out people as well, Golden Boy did a good job selling this fight. Um, I'm going to let you guys, you know, um, give your opinions on it. But Golden Boy did a great job selling this fight, getting it to pay-per-view. You got Bernard out there. I heard him on a sports radio station here in Philly earlier talking about how Lemieux is the only guy that, you know, can beat up the bully. And people are buying into it. It's a pay-per-view fight again. I don't know how it's going to do, but nevertheless, people got to buy it to see it. So, we got a fight on our hands, and for the first time, some people think Triple G is going to be tested. So I'll roundtable this, and you guys take it away. Whoever want to go first? I remember when they tried to make Floyd when they when they first made HBO made uh, Floyd Mayweather, I guess, money, and um, and this is what um uh, what I mean by this. He had fights on HBO. He was an HBO fighter, but they put him against. He moved up, and they put him against. Rest in peace, Arturo Gotti. Mm-hmm. And and you know everybody was a jump. Oh my goodness, man! It's in Atlantic City. Floyd's finally going to have some competition, you know. And remember the old heads in my area is like, are you kidding me? Like, do you see this? And you know, everybody bit into it. And, you know, that was the beginning, I guess, of making Floyd a PPV fighter. I see some similarities in parallel here with Triple G as well. You know, like, they're looking for that next pay-per-view star. This fight, a lot of people tell me that this fight is not pay-per-view worthy. Um, A lot of people don't even know who Triple G is. All they do is they look at a record, and they look at, you know, for the past umpteen years, he's been just knocking everybody out. Um, with, With that being said, uh, you know, 160 is a ghost town. Triple G has very decent skills. Um, I expect him, you know, no disrespect to David. Uh, how do you pronounce his name, um, uh, Roberto? Lemieux. Lemieux, thank you so much. Lemieux. Like no, 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 no disrespect to David Lemieux. You know, I know they both knocked out Gabe Rosado, and I actually saw Philly's own. I actually saw uh, Lemieux uh, fight uh, Gabe Rosado. And, w- and with that being said, you know, there's really no barometer to judge those guys by with Gabe Rosado because it seems like Gabe Rosado is, is that gatekeeper, is that ride you're talking about as well. He's a, he's a great dude, but he seems like, you know, everybody throws him in there. Yeah, I, yeah, think yeah. The, I think the Triple G, I think that Triple G is a little bit more technically savvy than Dave Lemieux. Um, I don't think the way to beat Triple G is by knocking him out. I think you have to box Triple G. And if they really believe that throwing Dave Lemieux in there is going to, you know, be the way to beating Triple G or giving him some type of threat because he hits hard, I think they're in for a rude awakening because I think that Triple G showed us that he can – now he hits hard enough to get you out of there, but he has enough skills to carry a fight too. So I think that Triple G is going to beat him. I think he's going to stop him late. Um, I don't think that Triple G uh, – could could survive in, in the 160 that we know and love back in our time. But um, with that being said, you know, the here and now, he'll probably wind up being the star there. And I would be very surprised 
if he was upset this weekend. So I do pick him by Lee Stoppage. I think he's going to do a great job of cutting the ring off. He's going to figure him out. And he has more to his arsenal than just swinging a whole bunch of wild, hard punches. So go ahead. I like that. Good, uh, great assessment, R.O.D. Roberto? I mean, yeah, Ryder Dye touched on – he touched on a lot of good points, man. And it was it, – it's just I, – I think – I, I mean, I agree. I think the whole 160-pound division, as far as the actual fights that could be made for Golovkin, you know, when you when you talk about, you know, the, the, the Peter Quillins of the world and the, and the Danny Jacobs of the world that, you know, you know likely will never fight him. Uh, at the same time, when you think about, you know, somebody like David Lemieux, I mean, I think they're, you know, they're doing um, – just like just like uh, what Ryder Dye was saying, man. Like I think they are definitely basically testing, you know, the waters with him as far as whether or not he's going to be a big pay per view star. Now I think the whole remedy for that has always been really a mix of three things, and and it's funny you parallel Floyd because Floyd stylistically wasn't a big pay per view like. As far as his fighting style was never going to be like a big pay-per-view sell, what really went off the roof is when he created the character. And then, you know, it was the lead-ups, and then the fight happened, even though he has fans. But the other side of it is, you know, you think about Mike Tyson, when the whole pay-per-view kind of era kind of started. He was like sort of in the beginning. And you kind of just saw the trend. You know, casual fans, they just – they they like knockouts, and I see what HBO is doing, and I see kind of like the placement. You know, you think about Sports Nation, you think about the the different like places where he's been featured. I mean, he got an Apple commercial for the Apple Watch, so you you see what's going on, and, and I think this is uh, kind of like to see where he's going to go from here. Now, the whole thing of I mean, as far as what I think is going to happen in the fight, man, I, I mean. I said from the very beginning, Lemieux, granted, hard puncher, but we, we've seen, I mean, you don't want to play the triangle theory, but, you know, when you talk about people who have a certain punch resistance, I mean, you have to look at the fact that David Lemieux was knocked out by Marco Antonio Rubio, who's not as hard a puncher as Gennady Golovkin. But adding also to that, I mean, Golovkin's a really good boxer. I mean, he's, he's not the quickest guy. Um, but, you know, you think about things like timing, and you think about fighters who have good timing. Kind of that, but the whole thing about Golovkin, man, is, is really uh, keeping up with his pace, which is kind of from what the trend is with his fights. After, like, the second or third round, he starts to really back you up. And Lemieux is not going to be able to fight consistently on the back foot and, and keep uh, Golovkin off of him without him throwing his shots, but at the same time, he's going to have Golovkin hitting his. And I just think by, like, maybe the sixth or seventh round, there might be a knockdown between there. But I think, like Ryder Dye said, I mean, I think – or I think it was Coltrane. I mean, he, he knows how to carry a fight. And I think in this situation, after the second or third round, he'll figure him out. He'll start to hurt him and then – but seven, I would say in the furthest, the eighth round, like he'll he'll take him out, and that that'll be pretty much it. I I think you guys nailed it. I mean, seriously, like from the 
the selling of this fight, mark the marketing strategy that took place. To see that to sell a fight, you have to market it first and foremost. And you know the way you market it is you spread, you know, not well. You got to hype it basically. So you 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 have different people. You get a guy like Bernard Hopkins, who most people respect his boxing knowledge, but what they're not looking at it is that he has a vested interest in this fight because he's a partner with Golden Boy Promotions and Dave Lemieux is a Golden Boy fighter. So they're looking at the bottom line and that's the dollar and cents, not the actual results. They know, Bernard and De La Hoya, to a man, both know that uh, David Lemieux can't beat Triple G. But they also know that David Lemieux is probably the best guy that he's fought in, you know, in, in his career thus far. So they know they can sell that part to the public. And it's wor- it's been working for somewhat. We still don't know the actual results. You know, I'm projecting it to do around th- maybe three, 400 pay-per-view buys tops. And that's not bad. That's what Floyd and Gotti did, as, as Ryder Dodd brought up. Floyd did 300,000 pay-per-view buys. And we all know what happened after that. So I just think it just is, again, this is a testing of waters, like you guys said, to see, you know, what really is his worth, you know, how many people are chiming in. Like Roberto said, he has an Apple commercial. Madison Avenue has bought in, you know. Um, when I was watching football and I was like, whoa, I had to do a double take. Is that who I think it is? You know, I mean, that's pretty. That's a pretty big deal. We're not talking about a track phone here, you know, or PC Metro. We're talking about Apple. You know, that's a pretty big deal. So, um, they're doing all the right things, you know, trying to get him uh, 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 adopted by the casual fans. And I think if he does what I think he's going to do, because I think he's going to make short work out of Lemieux. I just, like Rada Dodd said, I just think from a skill perspective, even though he's a knockout artist, he, he has more tools and skills than Lemieux had. Lemieux just throw punches and bunches. This guy actually shortened the distance and closed the ring off. Like you'll never hear him probably cry about a fighter running because he know how he knows how to shrink the real estate, as they say in the business. And I just see this fight maybe going five rounds. I'll be shocked if it goes go anything by it. I just think Lemieux will be there, and I think he's just going to go for broke. And I think that's the worst thing you could do against a guy like that. And um, you know, we'll see what happens after that. Then the train ride begins. You know, we'll see. What's next? Catchweight, maybe. Cotto, Canalo. It's a lot of different possibilities for Triple G after this fight because, see, if he wins the fight, wins the convention, uh, do what everybody expects him to do, it sets him up for some paydays later and some leverage. So he can say, hey, look, you know, I did XYZ with this pay-per-view, so now I can, you know, have a conversation with Canalo or Cotto because I do think eventually one of those guys is going to have to fight him. The winner, the victor. I think the victor is going to have to fight him. Now, the only thing I'm worried about, guys, is if he looks really scary on Saturday night, which I expect him to do, will that scare one of those two guys off? Like, will they not fight him and maybe go back down and wait and do something else? That's the only fear that I have about this. I've always said that if Cotto beats Canelo – I don't think Cotto goes anywhere near Triple G. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's um, what I'm thinking, because I know Roach wouldn't touch him with a 50-foot pole. Yeah. For Canelo, I don't think he's afraid to fight Golovkin. I just think of Oscar, as far as if he's going to be in an immediate rush after him beating Cotto, 
for him to fight Golovkin like in May. You know, like, I don't know if he's going to do that, but he's kind of on this tip where Max Kellerman was talking about this in an article. Uh, I think Boxing Team posted it, where he was kind of saying, like, how De La Hoya is trying to make it where he's trying to put his fighters in against, like, whoever. And if it's like, if it, ha- you know, whatever happens, happens. But then again, you think about it, you do have a point. If Golovkin looks <laughs> – or, or, or let me say this, or I should say this. If Golovkin looks really dangerous, you know, look, looks crazy, which, again, I'm kind of expecting him to look very dominant. But with Cotto Canelo, I mean, look, several scenarios could come out of that fight as far as even with a Canelo win. I mean, Canelo could come out of that fight a little busted up. Are they going to lead right into a Golovkin fight? Probably not the smartest move. So it's like – it's kind of interesting how next month it has a lot to do with Golovkin's f- immediate future. Isn't, isn't um, that funny? It's, it's always yeah. – you always got to th- – I was telling this to somebody that don't, that don't quite understand boxing. I mean, we're kind of like – we have we, – we, we just – we're dialed in, you know, just that way. You know, we're just wired that way. And we're always looking two, three steps ahead because we, we know ev- everything's a domino effect in boxing. You know, it's just just how it is, you know. And um, see, the thing about it is, it's funny because there's not a like Radadaz said, the style that can give Triple G problems is Kovalov, Andre Ward, guys that are nowhere near around in that particular weight weight class. I don't see anything from 160 on down that possess the type of skills that you need to beat him. And he cuts the ring off really well. Like, whatever your opinion is of him, and I know a lot of people out there are like, well, he didn't fight anybody. He beat up a bunch of bumps. Yeah, that's true. You get no arguments here. And I'm not the biggest fan of him either because I do think if the right style is put in the ring with him, it can be exploited. But but we've said that about a lot of guys that was knockout artists. And until that Trinidad, we talked about that. Until you find that particular guy to do that, we could be talking about that for the next five years. It's just that, you know, if you're looking for Bernard Hopkins or Floyd Mayweather to walk through those doors, you're, you're going to be looking until the apocalypse, apocalypse come because that's not happening right now up in, the, in the higher weight classes. Now, yeah. you got some younger guys, Andrade. Um, I'm not going to put the trouble. Not I was going to say that. In there. Now, somebody like him, maybe – he possessed the skill sets, but, you know, he, he has to season into 160, move up. We're talking later down the line because he has to actually fight some, some you know, you know he have to get his, he have to get his feet wet first, fight a few big fights, move up, and then go so on and so forth. But right now the fight is with him and Canalo. I don't, I don't mean to disrespect David Lemieux. Um, I'm going to watch the fight. It's going to be exciting because he has a mano-a-mano guy in the ring with him, but I don't see anything different as far as results-wise. But – it's going to be interesting in the next uh, what plays out hereafter because he's going to put one of those two kind of in a corner. Like, hey, look, you guys have nobody else to fight. I just fought on pay per view. I did pretty okay. The public kind of knows who I am now. You guys are claiming to be middleweights. What what's up? So, De La Hoya, say what you want about him. He's a competitor. You know, De La Hoya moved up to Fort Bernard Hopkins. Yeah, people forget that, you know. He didn't have to do that. They oh, he had more money. He 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 could light his stole with money. He didn't have to do that, but he was a competitor, whatever your opinion was of him. He went to go fight Bernard Hopkins, and I think he's trying to recreate that bill 
with with uh, Canalo. And that's why I think out of the two, I agree with you, Roberto. If it's going to be one of the two, I think it will be Canalo. And De La Hoya is kind of in a desperate situation with his company a little bit. He may have to take some some risk. And he already, so, one of his main stars already lost. <laughs> and, he, and he already lost. And, you know, Canalo is a slippery slope because if he puts him in a ring, hey, even if you pull him with our own Philly's own Julian Williams here, you know, Canalo can potentially lose to any of the junior welterweights that's out there. So he's, like, kind of got to be careful with him. So it's like, all right, if we are going to lose, let it be against a guy like Triple G, you know, versus – some of these other up-and-coming guys. You know what I mean? So it's it's going to be interesting to see. Um, it's funny, though, because boxing, you know, we went we, – we're, it, this the passing of the banter now. It's almost as if they're trying to promote the anti-Floyd. Like, we're Yo, back yeah, to knockouts again. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like, all right, let's promote this guy who knocks people out, basically. You know? You there know, was an article in USA on. Today about it. There was a – like there's uh, this uh, you know the site boxing junkie that's like ran by USA Today Sports, and there was an article today that you know it was kind of bashing Floyd and and, and and like as far as like his fights being boring. Then they were saying like oh well now we got this knockout artist who's gonna fill Madison Square Garden. They've already sold fifteen thousand you know tickets and this that and the third and um. Yeah, I mean, I, I see the 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 the, the slandering. And, and oh yeah, definitely, like it's definitely a <laughs> it's definitely an indirect thing going on here, and I noticed it. But you know, it is what it is. I mean, you know, one thing about boxing is like Baskin and Robbins is thirty one flavors. You know, whatever your flavor is, they have it. You know, it's all different type of styles out there. So. Um, I'm looking forward to watch the fight. I hope Lemieux puts on. I hope I'm wrong. You know, I hope he. Gives a better give gives a great effort. I just don't see it. And like I don't know if it was you or Rada Dodd said, you know Rubio. And I don't. We don't know. It's mm. cardinal sin to do common opponents, but it's like uh, you know. No, but you you got to think about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, uh, but you know what? The other thing we got to do remember too is fair balance. Right. That was early. That was earlier in the new career. And when yeah, that's, was, true. Like, that's like, true. That's true. Another yeah. thing that I want yeah, to throw this out. I want, let me let me throw this out here, guys. Is that. Well, we always talk about how Klitschko has evolved. And I'm not saying he's Klitschko. But remember, Klitschko had energy problems in the beginning of his. He was getting clipped by Ross Purity and all those other guys. But, you know, he had a, he had a situation where, you know, Lamont uh, Brewster had, had clipped any round of energy. And they say that David Lemieux was exhausted for the Rubio fight. So, I mean, he was getting clipped, you know, like a Rubio let him shoot his wound and was like, all right, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, put the veteran card on you. And then when you look at that fight, Lemieux didn't really look in good shape either. You know, I'm, I'm just giving you fair balance here. So, I mean, a loss is a loss, but, you know, but I still, it wouldn't matter. He can come in the best shape. I just think that Triple G is a little bit more experienced, and they're just, they're just trying to sell this fight. They're trying to sell this fight like they were trying to sell me uh the the G.I. Joe movie, you know, like making it seem like something out of, <laughs> out of my child, out of something out of my childhood that I was really going to, and you start watching it like, man, that's not the real, that's not what happened to Snake Eyes on Storm. Right, 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 right. So right. It's, just, no. it's just something they're I just mean, trying to sell. No, yeah, I mean they're doing they're doing as their job as promoters, they gotta kind of hype it so people. You remember it disappeared. I mean, if this was a regular Showtime fight, they'd be like, hey, tune in on Saturday night, but. You know, anytime it's pay per view, 
you know, they're trying to sell it. They're trying to get people to buy it. And, you know, um, we'll see what happens, you know, as uh, far as Triple G, which is, you know, again, they're, they're testing the water, pulse check to see his stardom. And I, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm looking around maybe 300 pay-per-view buys, you know, at minimum or at maximum, you know. So if that's the case, that's not bad. That's That's pretty good, you know, for a guy that, you know, uh, is technically, you know, he's not from this country, um, just kind of started catching fire. So that's not good. I mean, that's pretty good. And it helps out for later, as we mentioned. So, but um, we get ready to wrap up for this weekend. Um, it was a great show. Uh, we, we, we got a chance to cover a lot of different topics, a lot of uh, discussions. Um, I apologize if we missed anything. Um, you know, you can always hit us up at Guard Your Girl Boxing. Uh, on Instagram or guard your girl boxing at gmail.com for any questions or concerns. I apologize about the recording from uh, the last week's podcast. This one will be up, um, I assure you. Um, and we'll be back next week. Um, you know, hopefully some drama takes place because I love drama. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, we like TNT. Is it what's that TNT writer that say that the drama? We love drama. I think he, I think TNT. he got off the line. I got off. Okay. Yeah. Also, not 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 to cut you off, but there there's actually a fight on Friday, man. Uh, an interesting one. Um, the Nathan Cleverly and uh, Andre Kamara. Yeah. Okay. On, on all right. TV, so we got some boxing. I'll tell you what, man. This has really been great. Like just having all these fights on. It's like every week. It's like when a fight's not on now. It's like it's weird. Like wow, like you're missing fight the fight. Like oh, there was a fight on. There was a fight. Yeah, exactly. Like it's 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 it, in it. What it's doing is just real quick. It's 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 almost like an awareness type of thing. It's like boxing awareness almost. It's like bringing people because I'm sure you know people like this, Roberto. That they were kind of boxing fans, but we kind of stayed. But there were some people that left, and now those people are like I got a buddy that was kind of like us. But he, like, like once, like, Roy Jones and then Trinidad and all those guys retired, he kind of tapered off. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't really with the whole – he called it, like, the, the the WWF, the hand-picking, the setup. He didn't – he couldn't really go with it, you know. So, but now he's kind of coming back. You know, he, he's tuning in. When I say him, I'm speaking for a lot of people out there that like him that was kind of lukewarm. But now they're kind of warming back up and getting back into the sport because it's on. And you can kind of, like – all right, you can follow what's going on. And, you know, I'm just using Deontay Wilder as an example. If you're a guy that just kind of got into Boston or back into it, if he's a guy you want to follow, now you get a chance to follow his career because his fights are on. You know what I mean? So I think that kind of helps out uh, the notoriety of the sport, you know, putting it on. A, I, actually, I read an article with Sugar Ray Leonard, and he talked about that. He said, you know, one of the reasons why boxing fell by the wayside is because – it wasn't on. Nobody had nowhere to go to for it. So by it by this being on now all the time, people got something to resonate with. So he's like, that makes it a lot easier for people to follow the sport versus just watching HBO, Showtime, or pay per view fights. So no, I agree. I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's. I mean, it's. It, it, but but at the same time too, it's. It, you know, we and me and Ryder Dye have been talking about this like through the shows. Is, 
You know, it, it's the constant battle between, like, you know, we want the fights, but, you know, we want the quality. You want competition, and right. And Now, granted, and that can happen every single time, but. You know, I, I know what you mean because that's yes. why I made the statement about Thurman. We, we can't, all right, we can't use and abuse the policy, basically. All right, so the fights are on, but you've got one guy, you know, this whole David and Goliath every week thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, You want two gladiators in the ring. So, Thurman and Porter. So when somebody at, come up there, come up and ask me like, "Hey, like, what's up with these two? You know, I said, "Well, listen, one guy's a former world champion. One guy's, a, you know, was a, is a world, whatever how you want to slice it. But they're two guys in their primes. Like, I hate what you, you know, when a guy, one fighter's coming off a loss. Uh, you know, they're fighting at this particular weight. It's no uh, gray areas, gray area here. It's straight black and white. You know, two mm-hmm. young fighters." Granted, Porter's lost before, but so what? You know, he's coming off a win. And Thurman, this is like his true, true, true test here, you know? So I love that fact, and I think that we got to get back to that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how they, you know, how 2016 looked, you know, moving forward. But I agree with that notion. But um, so we're going to wrap up for the night. Again, at Garja Girl Boxing, hit my man Roberto up, Roberto underscore, at Roberto underscore Flack. Check him out on his Instagram and his his uh, uh, prediction videos as well. And we'll be back here next Wednesday, right, because it goes back to the regular schedule. With yeah, the, as with far the, as I'm concerned, yeah. <laughs> okay. And we only did this tonight because there's fights on tomorrow. As you mentioned, Devin Alexander is fighting tomorrow. Uh, and Fernando Montel is fighting as well tomorrow. Yeah, so, I saw that too, yeah. Yeah, I forgot he's on the undercard too. So, you know, enjoy the fights tomorrow. This weekend, and we'll be back here next week breaking it all down. It's Garage Girl Boxing. Peace. Peace.